In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I don't know about you, but I know I approach today's gospel passage with a little bit of fear and trepidation. Especially that part that says to the young rich man to give up everything he has to the poor and then come follow me. And when I read that passage, what also comes into my head are a couple other passages from Scripture. One being from Proverbs. The love of money is the root of all evil. And there's the other one from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount that says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. And so as I think about the gospel, and I think about my very proper upbringing and what I was taught by my mother, which was there are two things you don't discuss in polite company. One is politics. Well, it wasn't politics back then. It was religion. And the other was money. Those are the two things you do not discuss in polite company. And yet it's obvious no one told Jesus that because he talks about money quite a bit. And so this morning, this morning we're faced with one of those passages and for us who are fortunate to have resources in our lives, it makes us very nervous because it feels as if Jesus is really saying to us, we can't enter heaven as long as we have resources. But if you really read this passage, and while if this were Stewardship Sunday, that would probably be the theme I'd want to go. But it's not. We discover that it may be something about far more than just having wealth. Because let us not forget that many wealthy people came to Jesus that we hear about in the Gospels. One of which was the centurion who actually told Jesus point blank, you know, basically, I am so powerful that if I tell someone to do something, they do it for me. But in all humility, he goes to Jesus and pleads to heal his child. And Jesus doesn't quibble with him about giving a portion of his wealth to somebody else or giving up his power, but says your faith has made you well. And so as we begin to delve into this morning's passage, I think it's more about faith and trust than it is about the young rich man's wealth. Now bear with me as I retell the story and kind of flesh out the details because our passage gives us sort of minimal details but gives us clues as to who he may be. Because he is described as wealthy, we can assume that he is part of the Jewish aristocracy. He is young, but he's also very familiar with the law. So one can begin to stretch a little bit and assume that perhaps he is a Pharisee in training. And if he's anything like many of us when we were young, he probably felt he had everything and could do anything. 
And so it's really interesting that he comes to Jesus as an aristocrat, but with humility. He kneels before Jesus. He calls him good teacher. And a young person who has everything, resources, education, health, vitality, says to Jesus, tell me how I can obtain eternal life. And as I listen to that question, I hear sort of that question that goes on in our 20s, maybe even into our 30s, maybe all our life, is the question is, or the statement, I have everything but there's still something missing in my life and I don't know how to find it despite my resources, despite my education. There is something missing and the young man comes to Jesus seeking that which is missing for him, which is eternal life. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Catch that. You lack one thing. Go. Sell everything you have and give your money to the poor and come back to follow me. What is it about his money that Jesus was concerned with? The answer comes into the discussion after the young man leaves grieving. He tells the disciples how hard it is for anyone to enter the kingdom of God. And he goes on to talk about the fact that it is so difficult that it is easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle. Now that needs a little bit of explanation. Because I know we're all thinking about that needle that um, you're trying to put that elusive piece of thread through. And I know as I am now past that certain age, it's really hard to see that hole at all, even with my reading glasses on. Bev is agreeing with me. But that's not what he's really talking about. It was an expression from ancient days, and it referred to a very narrow, short opening in a fortified wall, large enough for a person to kind of squeeze through one at a time, but not large enough really for an animal to go through. And it was a way of protecting the fortress from anyone running through if it was an invading army, but their guys could get out to go into the invading army if need be. For a camel to go through that opening, it would require that the camel master take everything off the camel that it was carrying, get the camel to go down on its knees and crawl through this opening. Now, the only thing that I've noticed about camels is they're very stubborn animal. And to actually get a camel to go through that kind of opening is impossible. And so what Jesus is saying is that the way to eternal life is through a very narrow opening. And we've heard that in other places. What he is also then saying is for the camel to go through that opening, it would have to have an awful lot of trust in its master. And that's the key to today's story. 
This is not a story about wealth, but it is a story about trust and how hard it is for us to trust in God. And it is also a story about the fact that no matter how great our resources may be, or how well educated we may be, salvation cannot be earned. And we cannot obtain salvation on our own. We can only obtain salvation through the grace, the generosity, and the love of God as done through the efficacy of the cross itself. We can't do it on our own. And this is why it makes it so difficult for anyone to obtain eternal life because it means humbly surrendering ourselves completely into the hands of God. And as we know from Genesis, what is it that we have sought since the beginning of time and stumbled over every time is our desire not to be dependent on God, but to be like God. And that is the root of original sin that follows us through generations after generation. As I was meditating on this morning's passage in The Rich Young Man, what came to my mind is an experience I had while I was teaching swimming. And I know it's an awfully cold day to be talking about swimming analogies. But in this case, it's when I was working at a local pond as the lifeguard and swim instructor. And was part of my day was teaching beginning swimming. And anyone who's ever taught swimming in a pond knows how hard it is to teach. Because without a wall or a dock, for the kids to push off of and use to lever themselves up. There is nothing left to work with but with me using my hands to help a child float, especially on their back. And the one thing I know about floating on your back, it's not a comfortable position at first as you struggle to keep your head above water and you don't feel as in control. Well, during one of those sessions, I had a little girl who was about six years old. And while all the other children allowed me to place my shoulders or place my hands on their shoulders and help them lift their feet off the ground or the bottom of the pond, this little girl would have nothing to do with it. And she'd very insistently say to me, don't touch me, I'll do it myself. And she would try. And she would inevitably fail. And this went on for the whole two weeks of that session. And at the end of the session, the mother finally came up to me and said, Craig, I guess I should tell you this. Don't be upset with my daughter. She has been diagnosed at that time with tactile defensiveness. She didn't like to be touched. She didn't like to be hugged. I think in today's language, she may have been diagnosed as somewhere on that Asperger's scale. And so, after two weeks, the mother and daughter left frustrated because she really never progressed into even being able to float. As I think about that little girl, I think about each and every one of us. 
and our own struggle with eternal life and salvation. We're all like her when it comes to God. We want to do it on our own. The fact is we can't. And we have to oftentimes allow God to hold us by the shoulders and lift us up off the bottom of the pond. And the good news is, God is always waiting and willing to do that for us when we are ready. Amen.